You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I want to have some fun today. We've got a lot of clips queued up. Um, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of positivity as well. A lot of the media is really starting to understand what the Green Bay Packers are about. They're starting to notice, they're starting to recognize, and I think that that's exciting and should be celebrated and will be. Uh, a couple things real quick. Jason Kelsey officially retiring from the NFL, and um, that doesn't speak very highly for the Eagles. They've had a very good situation with their defense and with their offensive line um, that has allowed their quarterback, who is good, but um, allowed him and their wide receiver to really operate at a high level. And I think with the defense starting to implode, the offense now starting to retire, the offensive line, that is, I think the continued fall, which I, I, as much as the Packers have picked things up, I don't know that I've seen a team implode like the Eagles have. I, I don't even, I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. I don't even know what happened. I don't know how you can go from one of the most dominant teams in the NFL. I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about this year to maybe the worst team in football. I mean, how do you lose to the Cardinals and then the Giants and then go to the playoffs and just get embarrassed? Crazy. The other thought is, I have a feeling Travis is going to follow with him. They got their podcast together. They're both getting up in age. Um, I think the Chiefs are probably going to be getting knocked. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl this year. I could be wrong. Of course, that you never want to count out the, uh, the Chiefs. It's kind of like the Patriots back in the day. Even when they don't look like the top option, you don't count them out in the postseason. But still, I think there's going to be an unceremonious exit for the Chiefs, and I think he's going to follow in his brother's footsteps, especially if this whole uh, Taylor Swift thing is real, which, if I'm being honest, I have a feeling as soon as he leaves football and then they decide to, he decides he wants to be the guy that carries her purse at events, I don't think she's going to be super into that and it's going to end. But that doesn't matter because that's in the future and he doesn't need to see into the future. Only I need to see into the future because it's... It's my gift, but uh, that's going to hurt the the uh, the Chiefs a lot. I mean, obviously they're they're in a bad way. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, the, the Chiefs could be in some trouble here because there's talk about Andy Reid possibly, you know, either retiring or being moved on from, which I think would be a terrible mistake. But if that happens and you lose Travis Kelsey, it's like okay. I mean, yeah, you can. You can go out and try to find that receiver that makes things better, but you, just trying to compensate for Travis Kelsey is going to be brutal. So a shifting landscape, and honestly, that's that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I, I kind of got chills a little bit when I realized um, the layout of the playoffs. And I don't know why NFL.com decides to not change to next week's schedule until like the day before. I don't need to see last week's scores for a freaking week. But on Saturday... If you look at the games that are going on, 3.30, Texans-Ravens, 7.15, Packers-49ers. And what do you have? They're, they're, it's the AFC and NFC mirror images of each other. Honestly, the, the Sunday games are kind of irrelevant. And maybe that's too strong a language. Obviously, the Bills and the Chiefs are very good football teams and all that. But I think the real story in the NFL right now are the Saturday games. 
The Ravens and 49ers are the Super Bowl favorites, and rightly so. They're very good, very scary, very dominant teams. But both of their opponents are young, ascending, unbelievably scary teams. That Both of those teams are the teams that are white hot that you do not want to play right now. And both of those teams might have the best quarterbacks that are playing right now. Look at how Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud played. Their stats were, were like to the yard identical. I think, I mean, literally, I think C.J. Stroud had like two more yards and it, everything else was identical. And so there, there is a major n- narrative here that if the NFL doesn't pick up on and run with, they're missing a massive opportunity. I mean, granted, Lamar is not old and, and the 49ers are not necessarily old, but you've got these sort of established powerhouses that are, that are, and neither of these teams have won Super Bowls with their current, you know, structure. I mean, Shanahan hasn't won a Super Bowl. Lamar hasn't gotten his yet. And so there's this sort of like, it's our time. The 49ers have been battling and battling and battling, and this might be the best version of themselves. I mean, it's hard to say they've had so many great versions that have, that have not won a Super Bowl. But it's sort of a, you know, I'm not letting the Packers get in our way. It's our freaking time. We're going to do it this year. And same with Lamar. Like, we've, we've taken so many bites at the apple. We've been so good. Lamar keeps getting hurt. He's finally healthy. He's playing incredible football. Our defense is unstoppable. It's our time. And you can look at the Texans, you can look at the Packers and say, you know, you guys are both going to be formidable opponents for a very long time in the future, but it's not your time yet. But at the same time, these are very young, very hungry, very scary football teams that are not willing to be patient. They're not willing to just sit back and bend the knee and show the due respect to these franchises that feel that they're due. I think the entire NFL comes down to Saturday. And again, that's a strong statement with Buffalo and Kansas City on Sunday. I think the Lions and Buccaneers are pretty irrelevant, to be completely honest with you, but could be wrong. I I really think the story is Saturday. And I'll be very interested to see if it's Ravens 49ers that emerge, which is very possible. Could it possibly be Texans Packers, which is my absolute favorite Super Bowl scenario? I don't want Pat Mahomes. He can shove it. He's been in enough Super Bowls. The Bills wouldn't be bad just because I like the Bills, but and nothing would make me hate them more than if we lost to them in the Super Bowl. Ravens obviously are a very scary team, and it wouldn't be my preference, although the most likely scenario would be that. But, I mean, to to just to have Packers-Texans Super Bowl would be to announce to the entire NFL universe that these are the top two teams and will be for the foreseeable futures. In their first years, they make it to the show? Are you kidding me? That's going to be the talk of, of everything. Now, granted, there's still a game in between. Even if both teams win, Packers would have to go on to either beat the Bucks or the Lions in their house. Texans would have to go on and, and beat either the Bills or Chiefs, which is also a tough road. But I'm, I'm just saying, when I look at it, man, the entire story comes down to Saturday. It's the top teams versus the bottom teams, but also, is it really? The other thing that sucks about the NFC, there isn't a single team that I want in the Super Bowl. If I had to pick, I would probably pick the Buccaneers, but man, they, they just, with that whole thing with Tom Brady, I don't want them going back again, but that would have to be my pick because I can't stomach the Lions going to the Super Bowl, even, even if we assume an AFC team wins. We have to do it just for the sake of, I don't like these teams. I don't know what NFC team I could tolerate, maybe like the Saints or Falcons, Giants, kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to hate a lot of teams, but... Anyways, like I said, when I saw the Saturday lineup and I just looked at it, it just occurred to me, this is the story of the NFL right now. It's the now versus the future. And again, regardless of how it turns out, if the 49ers and Ravens win, the reality is that's still the narrative. I mean, I, it, it, 
what could possibly even be in contention? When you say which team has the brightest future, there's only two options. It's the Texans and the Packers. And I'm sure if the Bears go and get um, Caleb Williams, which they probably will, people are going to try to force that narrative. I don't know. I think this might be the future. Despite all the massive amounts of hurdles that they'll have to, to be able to prove just to get to this point, can Caleb even play in the NFL? What about all the other deficiencies? They're going to have a brand new offensive coordinator, which we know nothing about in terms of his ability to make this new offense work. But despite all the forced narratives, because that's what you do in the offseason when you're a national media guy, you can't just have the same two boring things to talk about. You got to have a couple hot takes and start pretending there's controversies and things that there really aren't. The Packers and the Texans are the two teams that you bet on in the future. If this was a buy low, sell high, if you were going to invest in a team, you invest in one of those two teams, period. And I don't care which team you pick. Probably a lot of people would take the Texans. I would say that you're probably wrong, but fair enough. The problem for the Texans is they're going to have to start picking in the late 20s now. So those, you know, second overall pick type things, yeah, that that ain't going to happen anymore. You know, they've got uh, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Cool. Those are both top three picks. They got Derek Stingley. That was also a top three pick. Who have they picked outside of the top three? (laughs) That's a really good pick. Juice Scruggs? I don't know anything about him. Tank Dell seemed like a thing for for a little while. Dylan Horton? Henry To-O-O-To-O-To-O-To-O-To-O? Xavier Hutchinson? Kenyon Green? I mean, Nico Collins back in 2021 in the third round seems to be a good pick. Just saying. You can't build a team. I mean, even Kenyon Green. He was a first-round pick. He was picked at 15, though. What's he doing? As best as I can tell... He played in 2022, had a 27 pass blocking grade and a 47 run blocking grade, and then lost his job and hasn't played in 2023. I mean, I don't want to sit here and talk about the Texans all day. I'm just saying, if I have to pick on a team, I'm picking the team that hasn't had a top 10 pick in ever-ish and is knocking picks out of the park left and right. That's all I'm saying. That's it. But with that said, the updated playoff odds, well, not playoff odds, but, you know, continuing playoff odds, the Packers and Texans are the lowest. In fact, their exact tie. Um, t- both of them have a 23% chance of moving on, which interestingly enough is, I think we had a 24% chance of moving on last week. Making it to the Super Bowl, however, the Packers do have better odds. Obviously, this is because there are better AFC teams. The Packers beating the either the Lions or Tampa after this, um, you got higher odds than the Texans beating either the Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills, but marginally, 9% chance, which I'll tell you what, man, um, sitting here right now with a basically a 1 in 10 chance of going to the Super Bowl, according to, you know, stats and whatnot, that's pretty wild. Um, the Texans are at 6%, Bucks are at 10%, Lions are at 24%, Chiefs 23%, Bills 28%, Ravens 43%, 49ers 57. Super Bowl champion going in reverse order. 31% chance for San Francisco. Hopefully we can bring an end to that bull crap. Uh, Baltimore Ravens 24%. Bills 15. Chiefs 13. Lions 9%. Tampa Bay and the Packers are at 3% and the Texans are at 2%. Anyways, I want to have a little bit of fun at uh, somebody's expense. It's probably unfair of me. I probably shouldn't do it, but I find it humorous, so we're going to do it. Talked a little bit before about Rob Domofsky and the comments he made about not just the team, but specifically about Jair Alexander and him being all about Jair Alexander, 
essentially being a selfish teammate, only caring about himself, et cetera, et cetera. Here is uh, Rob Domofsky asking Jair Alexander a question. Oh, what happened on Wednesday? Uh, initial... <laughs> mm, I don't know. <laughs> so ask him what happened on Wednesday. Jair just says, mm, I don't know. But it turns out that wasn't just it because it's possible, it's possible that there's really nothing to that and he just didn't like the question or whatever. But then there was a follow-up and apparently it wasn't just Jair that was giving him a hard time. I don't know. This must be a local TV station or something. Um, This is called On the Clock. I don't know. But uh, whoever these hosts are are asking a couple questions and Rob Domofsky happens to be one of those guys. So here's this clip. Let's ask this question. Now, none of us thought this was going to happen. You all picked the Packers to win zero playoff games. Now they're going to San Francisco. San Francisco. Dallas was the highest scoring team in the league. San Francisco is third. Dallas was the fifth best scoring defense in the league. San Francisco is third. Thank you, Jason, for the cues there. So, uh, Rob, let's start with you again. Can the Packers do this, what we saw today, at least to some extent, against the 49ers, to enough of an extent? Yeah, I guess I have to sort of say I'm a convert now because I got a hard time in the locker room from Jair Alexander and a bunch of the guys who apparently heard that I said they didn't have a chance to win here, which is not exactly what I said, but fine, whatever, if that's what they want. (laughs) First of all, first of all, um, that is essentially what you said. It might not be exactly the words, but it is more or less what you said. Second of all, if the locker room is upset with you, I'm willing to bet it has nothing to do with the fact that you didn't bet on the Packers. I have a feeling it was a fact that you made character attacks against Jair Alexander. I'm going to believe they were razzing me pretty good. Um, uh, like, I, I, at this point, I, I'm not willing to doubt them, at, 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 you know, in any game right now. I realize the, the history with San Francisco in the playoffs. I realize what San Francisco has. But, I mean, I, I can't rule them out at this point. Well, I haven't seen the video on Packers.com, but I certainly hope if they gave Rob a hard time, they gave him a game ball, too, for motivating them. I mean, they give those game balls away like they're candy. Let's ask. So that was uh, also Jason Wildy. It sounds like he was coming to Rob's defense a little bit there, which I also find a little bit funny. No, I don't think Rob Domofsky is the reason that they were motivated and won that game. I think that they can handle that themselves. I think they were just giving him a hard time because he made some comments that were not great. And again, I get it. He's not a fan. He's a journalist. Great. But he's still a journalist who chose to give his opinion, right? It was an opinion thing, not so much reporting. You can pretend it's reporting like they're a hard fact. Like how many touchdowns Jordan Love has thrown is a hard fact, but it's not a hard fact. Which is why he started the sentence about Jair with, I think. So we can play the whole journalist card if we want to, but let's not pretend that we're just reporting the facts, right? And look, again, I've said things that I'm sure Packer fans have listened to and have not been a big fan of, and it's why I don't expect any of them to ever come on my show if I were to ever ask. But um, I think, in my opinion, Jason has kind of taken it, excuse me, Rob has taken it uh, places I would not take it, made comments that I would not make, and so um, sort of a reap-what-you-sow situation that made me smile a little bit. And I don't know why you'd be getting all upset about it. It's a big deal. He's not a fan of the team. He's just a reporter. He's a journalist. So what does it matter? Isn't that how this works? Isn't it like a F your feelings because journalism? I don't know. That was my takeaway. But anyways, let's start having a little bit of fun here if we're not having fun already. This is actually, I don't remember why. I feel like I watched these guys so many times. I don't remember exactly why. 
But anyways, um, this is a Dallas Cowboys YouTube channel. I know I've had them on the show before. I mean, not on the show, but we've we've played their clips before. But dude has got like a full on uh, computer desk set up in his uh, in his living room and everything. He's got his friends hanging out. So um, this is some absolute gold material. We've got uh, a few different clips here <laughs> of these guys. Um, this is Dallas Cowboys. If I didn't say that, Dallas Cowboys fans. This first clip is Dax pick six. Run Paula here because we've been running. We've been throwing the ball a lot. the most intense thing I've ever heard in my life. But again, man, you want to fully try to understand how badly they wanted and needed this. I said it prior to the game. This is their 2020. This is it. This isn't just like another chance. This feels like now or never. Funny part is, um, this is one of the times, this next clip is one of the times when somebody was wide open. I don't know which one, because it happened, I think, like four times. But one of those times is right here. Look at that. Where, where, where's the, there's not even a defender in the picture. There's not even a defender in the picture. And you want to just say it's the quarterback. There's not even a defender in the picture. It's over. Congratulations, Green Bay. I feel your pain, ladies. I feel the same. Our team is What's going on with you guys? It must have been Musgrave. Whichever time it was when the lady was just throwing her hands on her face, that must have been it. Because he's like, lady, I feel your pain. But it looks like, uh, according to the writing on the bottom here, it's Joe Boo Sports Report. I don't know. Anyways, take a break. When we come back, we've got some um, some takes on the Green Bay Packers, including some high praise from uh, one of the guys that he constantly gets compared to, Brett Favre. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Very impressive. Uh, you know, I think if, if, if you look at the season, um, just in general, very. I think they're the youngest team in football, by the way, um, on, on, on paper. And at times early on, they played like it. But what you – did I expect them to make the playoffs? Honestly, no. Did I expect them – to get better as the season progressed, yes. And that's what, as a fan or as an organization, that's what you you look for in a young team. Uh, maturation along the way. Uh, obviously, they had a lot of enthusiasm and grit uh, and toughness. And it looked like they were having fun, which to me is maybe the key element in it all. And they just, when, that, when they hit, hit their stride, man, you know, Dallas is going to be a tough opponent, but I'd hate to be the team that has to play the Packers in the playoffs. Obviously, this is prior to, but um, I think that makes it even more, it makes it even more real because it's a lot easier now that they beat Dallas to jump on the train than it was prior to. 
So skipping to the end of the interview now, um, they asked about, you know, obviously the, the, the thing that everybody's talking about. You know, they, they got you, then they hit on Aaron, and now we're sitting here looking at Jordan Love. It looks like they hit again. Here's what Brett Favre had to say. Yeah. Um, what can you say? You know, uh, time will tell. I mean, it, it's it's a little early uh, in fairness to Jordan to, to crown him as the next, you know, Aaron Rodgers. But he certainly has done his part. Uh, big, ginormous shoes to fill. Uh, and like you said, I think when you look at it in the, in the uh, in the matter of last year, Aaron won eight games. This year, Jordan's managed to win nine games and get them to the playoffs. Um, you know, all I can say is wow. But, you know, again, more importantly, he has played outstanding. It's not that he was given anything. He's played outstanding. He's he's brought the team, the team from behind. He's, he's kept the lead when they everyone assumed they were out of it. He rose to the challenge, uh, never gave up. And from the organization, um, I, you know, I don't want to say it, it's almost impossible to do what they've done, uh, but really three different regimes. If you look at Ron Wolf, Ted Thompson, now Brian Gutenhurst. Uh, Good Lord. You, with, if it were one GM, you could say, but well, the guy just is a genius. Uh, I think all three have proven to be pretty doggone good in their own right. So, appreciate that, minus the Gutenhurst line. Now, if you're interested, you can go find uh, that clip, but also there is one over at Go Long. It's on YouTube. Um, it's just they hit a home run. Brett Favre believes in the new Green Bay Packers quarterback. Jordan Love is the title. You can go check that out. I was thinking about playing it, but it's kind of redundant. It's, it's more or less the same thing. Next is, uh, and this is kind of a weird one. It's it's weird because I'm, I'm I'm playing just a very unusual portion of a clip. There's no real context to it. It's Chase Daniels' intro into his film breakdown about Jordan Love. But I, I, I think I just appreciate it because I want to be able to just revel in this. I want to pretend we're back in September and we don't know what we're getting in Jordan Love. I want to pretend we're in October and we're talking about, you know, potentially getting the top five pick and looking at the quarterback class and what are we going to do in the future and now we're talking about a playoff game breakdown. And here's what Chase Daniels' intro sounded like about Jordan Love's performance. Today, we are going to break down Jordan Love. Jordan Love is on an absolute heater. He was 22 of 32, 268 yards, tied a career high with three touchdown passes in their Thanksgiving win against the Detroit Lions. And now, Green Bay, you got to be feeling good. You're right in the thick of the NFC playoff race. And I've just been really impressed with Jordan Love. He's gotten better as the years progress. All those rookies that they're playing on offense, it's starting to pay dividends. Let's break it all down right now. So again, it's, it's an unusual clip, but it goes to the narrative that I'm trying to, to kind of push on right now, which is everybody's starting to see it. And everybody that's trying to close their eyes, all the Bears fans in particular, Vikings fans perhaps, Lions fans who are pretending they're too busy not noticing because they got their own stuff going on. Maybe some Dallas Cowboys fans that want to pretend that they lost just because of everybody else or whatever. The point is, everywhere you turn, you can't hide from it. Here's a clip of Rich Eisen. I'll just leave it at that. All righty then. Uh, I didn't see that one coming. 
The Love family didn't see that one coming. The LaFleur family didn't see that one coming. Not even the the Jones family and uh, him plus 24 tickets saw that one coming. I don't think even the most optimistic Green Bay Packer fans saw that one coming. And even the Dallas Cowboy hater, I'll even say that, even the worst Dallas Cowboy hater could not have seen this tail kicking coming. I know everyone's going to be trolling. But holy smokes, the Green Bay Packers, the youngest team to make the NFL playoffs in 50 years, just strolled into a spot where no road team won all season long. None. You can make the argument the Cowboys were the best home team this year. That young team. Youngest, greenest team. They put the green in Green Bay. The youngest team in 50 years just strolled into Dallas and put the most points Dallas has ever given up in a playoff game on these Cowboys and became the first seven seed to win a playoff game in Jordan Love's first playoff appearance, taking over for Aaron Rodgers. That just happened. They were awesome. Everybody, Dobbs, name anybody. Everybody killed it. LaFleur killed it. Barry killed it. The defensive coordinator that everybody wanted to kill. Yeah. Joe Barry was being run out on a rail. And they just won this playoff game going away, putting Packers fans in a rocking chair pretty much from jump with a 12-play drive to start the game to take half the quarter away, then get the ball back, then score again, then pick six, Dak. I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose to use this moment to talk about the Packers because, boy, are we going to be talking about the Cowboys and who's next there? Is McCarthy going to eat it? Is it Belichick? Pretty much could be anybody who's out there available if Jerry Jones wants to go in that direction. You know he doesn't. But holy smokes, Green Bay is now heading to San Francisco, and they do the Lions a huge favor. Despite all that, you know, reporting is eligible hoopla, costing them the two seed, they're now the second highest seed in the NFC playoffs as I'm talking into this microphone. And if they beat the Rams tonight, they get another home playoff game. But if they don't, believe it or not, what this sets up, if the Rams win tonight... This sets up the Monday night football super wild card weekend finale for the right to host a playoff game next week. Yes, the Eagles. The Eagles could not only last longer than the Dallas Cowboys if they win on Monday night in Tampa, but Uh if the Rams win tonight and knock out the Lions, the Eagles could host a divisional playoff game. What the hell's going on? And that is the headline. Of the Green Bay Packers, kudos, congratulations to them. Man, and the Dallas Cowboys, what the hell was that? Awful. I mean, talk about going down in flames. Wow. Congratulations, Green Bay fans. You have every right to just be on cloud nine. I love just letting other people say it because sometimes it's it's hard to even get the words. And it's great to just have other people articulate it, but... Again, it, this is a preview into how our offseason is going to be. Ed, listen, there's, there's two outcomes here. The Packers either win the Super Bowl or they're going to have some kind of an exit. 
right? They're going to lose. It could be the 49ers, could be the Lions, could be the Buccaneers or some AFC team. Those are the options, right? And if and when the Packers lose, there's going to be all the trolls coming out. Ah, I see. But when the dust settles, when the week ends, nobody is going to have their side. And, and you know, the other interesting thing about this is I feel like, and it's kind of weird because the Packers have been a good team. They were a good team in 2019, very good team in 2020, good team in 2021, and then fell off in 2022. But I've been talking for a while about the, the sort of media disrespect and bias that's sort of anti-Packers, and it felt like a lot of them were just kind of tired of the Aaron Rodgers story, right? It's the same thing every year. Nobody cares. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. You know, we'll talk about it, but blah, blah, blah. This feels like hitting reset, not just on the Packers kind of taking runs at the Super Bowl, which is amazing for us, but it's kind of a reset to the media. It's a new thing for them to talk about and get excited about. This isn't this isn't year 10 or 11 or 12 or 13, 14, 15 of Aaron Rodgers and the same old Packers and da, da, da. this is a different era. And these guys love to get excited about stuff. You know, I mean, how long they've been talking about Pat Mahomes and everything else. And they're going to be talking nonstop about C.J. Stroud and they should but make no mistake, based on what Jordan Love has done this year, you know, there was a time when Brett Favre was the talk of the town, especially when you had um, uh, John Madden. There was a time when everybody was talking about Aaron Rodgers, and it's all anybody would want to talk about. Greatest quarterback of all time. I've never seen anybody that did it. And there was a little bit of that, but it slowly just started to fade. Everybody wanted to talk about something new. And there was a lot of new things to talk about. It wasn't just him. There was Josh Allen coming in. All the old guys are moving out. Right? We're done with Drew Brees. We're done with Tom Brady. We're done, done, done. I mean, Tom Brady, not really because the guy won a bunch of Super Bowls. So they wanted to keep talking about him because they felt like he could actually win. And he did. He went to Tampa and he continued to win Super Bowls. And I don't know this for a fact. Maybe there's still going to be some anti Green Bay sentiment that's going to be like, you know, obviously he's good, but I'd rather talk about Stroud. I'd rather talk about the Bears and uh, their new quarterback. I'd rather talk about this, that, or the other thing. Maybe. But I think what we're starting to see is a media awakening and a new guy for them to get excited about. And what do you know? It's another Green Bay Packers quarterback. And maybe I shouldn't care about that, but I do. I love when the media gushes over us. I mean, it's fun when they hate us and I get to call them out and be like, you're stupid. And then I get to pull receipts and throw it back in their face. It's fun for us. Nobody else cares because then they just move. I mean, look at Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman talked crap about the Packers. I said he was an idiot and he was wrong. And I was right. And he doubled down. He's like, no, no, that doesn't count. No, he hasn't proven anything yet. It's not, it's not what I meant. This is not good enough. So then he continued to win. Well, or no, then, then we had the, the down couple games and he jumped back in. Oh, what now? What now? Oh, yeah. Then we get back. Then we get into the playoffs and he's still, he's still going. So he still didn't even admit it. And then guess what happened? Packers beat Dallas. He comes out and just admits it. Oh boy, I was wrong. And now what? Now we move on. I mean, pulling receipts is fun. Being right is great. I enjoy being right. It happens a lot, especially when people just hate your team and are, for that reason, are not seeing and thinking clearly. And so they just set you up to make you look like a genius by just saying dumb things. And I can just be like, uh, it's, I mean, basic information that, that you're wrong. And then I end up being right and like, check out Nostradamus over here, right? But you know what I love? Because the other problem with it too is nobody would listen to you. I mean, it was, it, it was gaslighting to the extreme. Except it wasn't really even gaslighting because I, th I don't think people actually knew they were wrong. And so Bears fans were allowed, e even though the, at the end it was super crushing and it was just such a delicious thing and it's why I shove it in their face so hard because it's just, it, it's this buildup for this moment. 
I just can't wait for this freaking moment to shove it in their stupid face and say, I told you, I freaking told you. But up until that moment, they not only believed it, but every one of the people in their little bubbles told them, but also the national media told them. Justin Fields, MVP, the Bears are the team to watch out for. The Bear, the Packers are going to be fourth in the division. They're going to be bottom of the barrel. It's back to the 1980s. So, so then you get into these, it's like everybody knows except you goot-licking, cheese-snorting, biased Packer fan idiots. You actually think you're, you're in for a wake-up call. You're in for a rude awakening. They can't do that anymore because guess what? They have no friends anymore. They have no more friends. In fact, there's going to be a split among Chicago fans. You're going to be, have some that continue to dig in and refuse to acknowledge it, and you're going to have Bears fans who are like, bro, just shut up. Just shut up, man. Obviously, he's good. Obviously, the Packers are good. Just freaking shut up. I had that when I lived in Illinois, right? I mean, I'd show up with my Packer jacket on, oh, Packers suck, and this is after the Packers just beat the Bears. And then you'd have someone, oh, Brett Favre sucks, and you'd have, I mean, Bears fans come along and be like, come on, dude. Come on, man. Brett Favre is like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Freaking stop it. Stop it. And I think that's what we're going to see, which is great because it's such a huge change. Even when Aaron Rodgers was humming, the Packers just didn't quite get the respect that they deserve. And at the end of the day, the media made a calculated um, decision to not really give them the respect that they deserve and call them the favorites. They'd rather talk about the Chiefs and whatnot. And guess what? The Packers imploded. Despite the fact that they were the better team, much more talented, all that stuff, they expected the Packers to implode. They did. The Chiefs go on to win Super Bowl. And it's just kind of like, we, we, we can disregard the Packers and we can get away with it. And, and anybody that wants to call us out is going to end up looking like an idiot because the Packers aren't going to win. And they didn't. It's just, it's just, it's just a freaking new era. And even if it's somewhat fake, even if we come back next year and Jordan isn't quite as white hot as he was, and you know, you know, maybe just things start to take a dip, which I know seems unlikely, but you know, it's still possible. At the very least, we had a great season. We're gonna take a heck of a swing at a Super Bowl right here in year one. We're going to be a, a at least a team that competes for the playoffs and for the NFC North. I'm assuming just about every year, unless there are some massive implosions, which seems really unlikely. And we're going to have a heck of a fun offseason, man. And on top of that, one other final thing. You know who else is finally getting respect for the first time in his career is Brian Gutekunst. And Matt LaFleur, by the way. Matt LaFleur was being dragged by Aaron Rodgers, and Matt LaFleur or and Brian Gutekunst was a big pile of crap that didn't know how to draft anybody and never helped Aaron Rodgers. This is the same. Mike McCarthy was considered a genius back when Aaron Rodgers was being loved. You know who else was? Ted Thompson. And I remember it was kind of funny because no matter what, it was funny the way it used to happen. I, I vividly remember this. The Packers would be picking somewhere like 27 or something. And you'd, you'd be watching the draft and they'd come out and they'd say, here are like the five, six candidates or whatever that, that they're going to pick. And they'd pick somebody and they would immediately talk about, oh, what a genius pick by Ted Thompson. It was some, Of course it was some, not somebody that anybody was talking about. If it was the Browns that made this pick, they'd be talking about how stupid, what a terrible pick. It didn't matter who Ted Thompson picked. They were going to talk about how genius it was because they knew that Ted Thompson was a freak. It was the same with like Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It didn't matter who they picked or if they thought it was a good pick or not. If it was some rando doing a mock draft, they'd say it was stupid. But because Bill Belichick or Ted Thompson did it, it was genius. And no matter who the Browns picked, it was like, oh, I don't know about that. Because it's the Browns and you know they screwed up. And I think now, having Brian Gutekunst show his acumen, you're going to start to see a little bit more of that. I mean, they always do that to some degree. You know, I mean, they, they kind of just jump into their uh, pro player diatribe. Oh, yeah, this is a guy that's really going to secure the edge, and he's going to da-da-da-da. But 
I mean, it's it's. I always said I felt bad for Bears fans because the gushing over the Packers, the gushing over Clay Matthews and Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson had to just be sickening. It was sick because it was kind of unfair, and and it's just like they didn't know they were just lazy, and they they just knew the Packers are great, and so they gushed. They all just gushed, and I felt bad for them because it's like that's it's stupid, but I enjoy it, and I'm sorry that you have to endure that. I think that's coming again. I think you're going to see media members who are going to gush over Gutekunst. They're going to gush over Matt Lafleur being an absolute genius play caller. They're going to gush over Jordan Love being one of the the best young quarterbacks like he's the next Pat Mahomes he's the next you know he and CJ Stroud are going to take over the league and it's going to make freaking Bears and Vikings and Lions fans puke especially in a way especially Lions fans because they're going to be like excuse me we won the freaking division potentially went further in the playoffs than the Packers which I think is a, is a very real possibility because the Lions I think have not the tough I, I think the Rams were a better team than Tampa and the 49ers obviously are going to be really tough but nobody's going to talk about the Lions. Nobody, that's the thing. That was a fun story. It's not more fun than the Packers. It's not more fun than the Texans. It's just not. I mean, they'll, they'll be talked about and, of course, impressive and all that stuff. But it's been several years with this coach. How many times can we talk about stupid kneecaps? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's getting old. Anyways, why don't we take uh, another break? We will come back and just keep doing what we're doing, man. We'll be right back. Now we got the Colin Coward podcast. Uh, they start off the show talking about Dallas and the Green Bay Packers. And the first thing was essentially saying Dallas is just not good. You know, I bought into it. I bought into the hype. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just not. Which, by the way, I freaking told you that. <laughs> just for the record, I was crazy for saying that. Now it's just common knowledge. But speaking of common knowledge, remember, it was what? Three, four whole days ago when Dak Prescott was maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. Here is now, again, this is just a media-shifting landscape. And listen, there is, there is a sheep mentality among the media. Not everybody, but to some degree there is. There's a lot of people that like to live in the very comfortable warmth of the, of the crowd. And so as the shift begins, they all start to move. So before, let's call it a week ago, Jordan Love looked good, but it was a little inconsistent. We're not so sure. Dak Prescott, elite, 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 right? Here's where we're at today. Yeah, I mean, when you when you size up a player and Jordan Love and Dak on the same field, Jordan Love's more talented. He moves better. Oh. He's got more of a whip. He made a sidearm throw late in the game into the end zone to Romeo Dobbs. Dak can't do that. That's just beyond no. Dak. That was a Mahomes-level throw, a Lamar Jackson throw. It reminded me of Lamar. And I'm like, oh, Dak can't do that. So what did I just say? We're going to start hearing, oh, this is Mahomes, this is that, this is it. Wasn't it not very long ago that Jordan Love should never have been drafted? Wasn't that what we've all heard? If you, if you knew how to watch the tape, I went back and watched his college tape. If you knew how to watch tape, like I know how to watch tape, you'd know that he shouldn't have been drafted. The Packers are the only team that would have taken him in the first round, blah, 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 blah. And what did I do? I went back and looked at, at people who watched the tape, the draft people, and what did they say? They compared him to Patrick Mahomes. So we went from Jordan Love is, eh, you know, I don't, I don't know, he's not, eh, to recognizing the reality. And the reality is what I told you it was at the beginning of this season. He is a boomer bust prospect. You remember I told you that? I said, I don't see him being somewhere in the middle. I think this guy is either going to be really bad or he is going to be an elite quarterback. This is why I got off the train and was really worried early on. 
because he was looking real ugly, especially in the first half of games, and I thought, oh no. And that's why when things turned around, I got real excited, real fast. Because when I saw those freakish throws, there wasn't a thought in my head that goes, yeah, everybody has a couple of those. It was, oh my good Lord, he's doing it. It's really happening. Fast forwarding a little bit further into the, uh, into the podcast here. Here's the, again, they're spending a lot of time talking about Dallas and, and, and understandably so, right? This is a big story in terms of it's, it's kind of tear it down territory. Um, but they, they found themselves getting a little sidetracked here. Jordan Love signed a two-year, $11 million contract, and he looks like a, a combination. I, I think that's one of the greatest development jobs we've ever seen. Well, I mean, you know he what? looks like a flat-out superstar right now. He looks yeah. like Brett Favre meets Aaron Rodgers today. Like, listen, the internet loves, I mean, this is what they love. They forget that new information, new opinion. Matt LaFleur was calling out Jordan Love in October press conferences. So was the, the GM. The, the GM and the coach were disappointed with him. Have you ever seen an in-season improvement for a quarterback? Not only is Jordan, think about this. He's cheaper than Aaron Rodgers. He's now more athletic than Aaron Rodgers. He throws the ball a lot like Aaron Rodgers. You get no drama like Aaron Rodgers. And generationally, he is completely copacetic with all these receivers and wide and, and tight ends. I mean, right now, Green Bay's young receiver tight end talent is the envy of virtually every team in the league. Like, it's hard to wrap your brain around this based on what we saw in October. Jordan Love is a significant, multifaceted upgrade from Aaron Rodgers. Wait a minute, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm pretty sure Colin Coward just said a stupid, dumb, ignorant, bold-faced lie. I'm sure that Colin Coward must be some kind of a Rodgers-hating, goot-licking, biased, idiot, moron Packer fan who has no idea what he's talking about, because that's what I was called when I made these statements. Now, I'll admit, I didn't see any of this happening (laughs) as far as how good he is year one. How good he could be in the future, potentially, which even then, very small likelihood he actually gets to that, obviously, for the sake of just basic mathematics. But year one being this good? No, nah, I didn't see that. But but just to be clear, I was told it's impossible to even be as good as, as Aaron Rodgers, who was mediocre at best, and based on most metrics, kind of bad last year. Let me, let me just make sure I heard that properly. It's hard to wrap your brain around this based on what we saw in October. Jordan Love is a significant, multifaceted upgrade from Aaron Rodgers, right? That, that's not debatable now. I swear I'm not hearing that right. That can't be what he just said. Jordan Love is a significant, multifaceted upgrade from Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if this is one of those AI deep fakes that we keep hearing about, because there's no way anybody in the national media, anybody anywhere, outside of some biased Rodgers-hating gootlickers, no way anybody would ever utter that sentence. It seems unfathomable. Well, I think that you become a legend in the business of football by making moves like Ted Thompson once made, right? Brett Favre, you're gone. We're going with Aaron. Bill Walsh, we got to pivot to Steve Young. When you pivot off Aaron Rodgers, who had just previously won a couple MVPs, 
the coach and the GM are behind it. And then by the end of the season, into the playoffs, he looks like this. And as a GM, you have put around the youngest offense in the league. And these guys, I mean, Watson didn't even really do anything. Reed, up until the end of the game, hadn't done anything. It was Dobbs making all the plays, and he's really good. Think of the talent they have. We know how well they build offensive lines. I think these guys have immediately entered, like Ron Wolf, Ted Thompson. We have stars running our operation. Because I think it was yeah. it was okay to question it early in the season. Not because they made the wrong move getting rid of Aaron. It's like, well, it's really hard to replace that. It was rocky. And by the end of the season, the, the guy's a flat-out superstar. And so is the unit around him. So to me, it's Gudikins and LaFleur. Like, this is why your argument on hiring offensive coaches, when you get the right one, Kyle Shanahan has owned the Cowboys the last two years in the playoffs. Why? Because he has he's comfortable playing against Dan Quinn. Matt LaFleur was also on that staff in Atlanta with Kyle, who was the quarterback coach. You saw it today. He wasn't uncomfortable going up against that defense and that coordinator. And honestly, embarrassed him worse than Kyle ever did the last two years. So to me, the stinks on Mike McCarthy, the stinks clearly on Dan Quinn, and all the positivity on the other side. It's hard if they were a stock. They feel like Tesla or something five years ago. I mean, this is a team that you'd have to buy into because they've been so well run. This was always the pushback on Aaron Rodgers. Do you realize how well you have it in Green Bay? How well run this opera? I, I get oh, there's know. no owner. And then you go to the... First of all... Okay. Just okay. Jets, and this is the complete show. Yeah, I mean, I, I said that... L- listen, listen. Look, I love having everybody on board. I love having you, John Middlecoff and Colin Coward. I love having you guys on board. I love that you're going to help all of us in our endeavors. And, of course, our endeavors are to... Praise the Green Bay Packers. It's what we do as fans. So we're, we're basically welcoming the media into our family as fans because that's what they're going to be. They're also going to be trashing the rest of the NFC North when they talk about, oh, I don't know, it's going to be tough to beat the Packers. That's, that's basically a suck at Detroit comment. But let's not get a little crazy and pretend that the narrative in Green Bay has always been, Rodgers, what is wrong with you? Why can't you get it done with such elite play around you? Why can't you get it done with such elite You know, you have such a great coach, and you have such a great GM, and you have such great receivers, and you have such great offensive line. Why can't you get it done? That is not, unless you're talking about my podcast, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, John Middlecoff. So I'm happy to have you, but don't, don't even try. Don't even try to rewrite history to that dramatic, that's always been the knock on Rodgers. My goodness. Nobody knocked Rodgers. I mean, up until his, his uh, we'll call it political stances, Rodgers was never knocked for anything. Rodgers was the one thing that worked. Rodgers was the poor victim who was being held back. It's the reason I'm making fun of that clip, because the Packers are going to the basement. Why? Why did nobody expect the Packers to be anything other than garbage? If the narrative was always that Rodgers can't get it done with such, so much, such immense, immense, I can't speak, Immense talent and coaching. Why would the Packers fall off? Wouldn't you instead have taken the tact that, for example, I took when I said that I don't really see a big drop-off so long as we could have mediocre quarterback play and could potentially even have, it's not out of the realm of possibility to have an improvement if he can be better than like a top 15 quarterback? I'm the one that said that. Other Packers hosts and whatnot probably said that. Fans, a few of them. We'll say about half of them said that. You people never said that. Anyways, here's the continuation of that. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to almost let it slide 
just because all that's going to mean is we're going to pretend that we never said anything bad about these guys so that it makes it easier for us to praise them. It's easy to praise Gutekunst if we pretend we've always praised Gutekunst. Here is Colin Coward essentially doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I said that before with Aaron. He never had a bad offensive line in 15 years in Green Bay. The Favre didn't have many. The one thing, New England under Dante Scarnecchia and Green Bay for 15 years do a great job of drafting third, fourth, fifth, sixth round offensive linemen and developing them slowly into really good players. So, I mean, Green Bay is just, it, it and it's something we've hit on. 11 of the 14 coaches in the playoffs are offensive coaches. Now, you can, as a defensive coach, work if you have a star quarterback. Sean McDermott, uh, D'Amico Ryans, you know, it can work that way. Yeah. But there is no question when to develop a young quarterback, edge offensive coach, and if you have a disruption at quarterback, you're on a third or a fourth, Stavansky, major advantage offensive coach. So, you know, Mike Tomlin got into the playoffs, mostly because Joe Burrow got hurt and Cleveland lost three quarterbacks. I think they'll be extinguished very quickly. But I don't think I don't think any re I mean, I talked to I texted two GMs today. I'm on the phone with during the game texting. And they're saying the same thing is Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur deserves a lot of credit for Jordan Love. And you know the other thing today that you noticed on that first drive? When Aaron Jones is running like that downhill, and that's you know, Matt LaFleur, when he when he came to Green Bay, it was I want to develop a run game that McCarthy had not developed a run game. I, I watch this Green Bay team. I'm not saying they're going to be the San Francisco or a Rams. They're a lot to defend because yeah, Matt can run it. Jordan can go off script. Nobody's got two to three good corners. They This Green Bay offense, John, creates a lot of matchup issues. Well, one thing I wrote down immediately is the advantage at the running back position in this game was evident early. Yeah, You know, I mean, the gap between Aaron Jones and all the other guys they're running out, I mean, Pollard is a, a gadget player. There's nothing wrong with that as yeah. long as you have a young Ezekiel Elliott in his prime, right? And to me, when you have the running game like that and then all the explosive weapons, that's why guys were wide open all day long. The Dallas Cowboys had no clue what to do, but don't... Anyways, I I wanted to let that run because it, it just... It's hitting on all the things, right? So right away, he starts talking about the the Packers' incredible ability to draft offensive line and develop them. Then it rolls into Matt LaFleur and an insane amount of credit he is due. And not only is that coming from Colin Coward, but according to Colin Coward, that's coming from NFL GM. So you got some authority backing it. Whether it's you know good authority or not, it doesn't matter. When it has that kind of backing, it makes it harder for people to run their mouth. Then they run into Aaron Jones, another guy that has been criminally underrated for years. It's almost as if Aaron Rodgers was sort of this clog, not, 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 and it's not his fault that he was, at least not in my opinion, but the media got themselves so pigeonholed into their love of Aaron Rodgers that when things went south, they didn't know what to do. And the decision that they decided to go down was blame everybody but Rodgers. And so that left you with a situation where everybody else sucks, because if anything was even remotely good, they would have had 60,000 Super Bowls, even when things were good. You know, in 2020, they didn't win a Super Bowl. That's because of the GM. That's because of the coach. That's because of the other wide receivers. That's because of all these other things, because of the defense, because of everything else. They were not allowed to give any credit anywhere, not the offensive line, nothing 
In fact, not only does nobody else get credit, but everybody else is complete garbage. Now that Rodgers is gone and the team is good, it's just opened the freaking floodgates to a massive amount of information that is now just smacking everybody in the face and they're rushing to it. Oh, Gutekunst is amazing. Oh, Aaron Jones is amazing. Oh, the Packers drafting and Gutekunst, amazing. Oh, their history of drafting offensive linemen, which has always been great. And Aaron Rodgers has always had great offensive lines, which we refuse to acknowledge for the last decade. But he's always had great offensive lines and they're so good at drafting offensive lines. And that's why they're so good right now. The offensive line and and the running game and Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst and Jordan Love. Oh, it's just such a great, amazing, brilliant organization. It's like, dude, this has been true forever. This has always been true. But because we rather, rather than just acknowledge the situation for what it was, the Packers are a good organization with a great coach, a great quarterback, a great GM, really good pieces, Devontae Adams, the offensive line, Aaron Jones. But you know what? Sometimes you just don't win. Sometimes the best team just doesn't win. And there doesn't need to be some definitive explanation of who failed. Sometimes it's just what happened, and Dallas is going through that right now. Dak is trash, and, and McCarthy is trash, and all these, th- these people that five seconds ago were at, were at the pinnacle of their careers now have to be fired because they're holding everybody back, and we got to blame everybody. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. I don't know if they win with Dak or not. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't win with McCarthy, but that's not the point. The point is there always needs to be these people to blame, and sometimes you're just freaking wrong. Well, who's to blame for all those losses? I don't know. I mean, the team didn't win. But, it, but the team as a whole, so Matt LaFleur and, and freaking Billy Turner and everybody else on the offensive line at that time and the coaches that decided to put Billy Turner at left tackle and Aaron Rodgers didn't play very well. And I mean, you can go down the list and, and articulate the game plan and, and the individual pieces that didn't perform. You could talk about cult. You could talk about all those things. That's but 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 what I'm describing is why the team lost this one game. I'm not describing what is wrong beyond that. It's like Matt LaFleur didn't do his best, didn't didn't do a good enough job to help the team win. Yeah, that's probably true. So he's trash and he's been holding back this team and the team's never going to win a Super Bowl with him and he did, did. no, no. Nothing else after that sentence is true. We always have to identify like what is the cause that 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 did this so that we can just Cut it out with a scalpel, replace it with something better, and then we get a Super Bowl. Just the level of simplistic thinking, and this is permeated throughout the media. You would think it's just the fans. No, it's the media. That's how we came to this spot. That's how we got here. That's why Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and all these other things that we talked about have never gotten any respect and, in fact, have been getting trashed despite all evidence to the contrary because of this shallow level of thinking. Well, obviously, if they were good, Aaron Rodgers would have had three Super Bowls. Nope. Explain the Bills. Explain the 49ers. Why aren't they winning Super Bowls? Why hasn't Dallas won Super Bowls? Why didn't Philadelphia win a Super Bowl? Why did Miami get knocked out? Are they garbage? It wasn't too long ago. This was the greatest offense we've ever seen. It was the greatest show on turf. I mean, even the the Texans, they had Deshaun Watson for all those years. They were in the playoffs every year. They couldn't get it done. What about the Bengals with Joe Burrow? They they couldn't get it done. They, They got your boy T. Higgins, right? They got T. Higgins as a number two behind a truly elite number one with maybe the best quarterback in football. They didn't win a Super Bowl. What the hell happened? Baltimore Ravens. Why haven't they won a Super Bowl? What's going on with that? Should they fire Harbaugh? Do they need a new quarterback? How about the Steelers? They're in the playoffs every year. They're just not getting it done. They got to fire the head coach. He's trash. He's garbage. Obviously, he's just no good. 
and Pickens was a terrible pick and everything that's ever happened is just awful and wrong and terrible. Or shut up. <laughs> or shut up. You drama queen. All you can do is put together the best possible team and then hope to get lucky. You're just increasing your odds slightly. Even if you can build the best team out of 32, which is in and of itself an extremely difficult thing to do, even if you can do that, there's no way to guarantee a Super Bowl, which is, which is why the whole T. Higgins discussion is so stupid. We definitely would have won with T. Higgins. There's no such thing as definitely, you moron. There's no such thing. The Packers maybe had what? Maybe like a 20% chance to win the Super Bowl? Probably not even, but let's just be wildly generous. T. Higgins moves the bar how much? 21%, 22%? Maybe, but probably not. It's nonsense. Anyways, we had enough fun for today. Why don't we get out of here? Got a lot more clips to get through. We got to turn our attention very quickly, very rapidly over to the San Francisco 49ers. So we're going to start doing that very soon. Kind of get a beat on what they're all about while at the same time continuing this because it's fun. But you guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.